Hello, and welcome to the LMA podcast featuring thought-provoking conversations with legal marketing and business experts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, you are listening to the LMA podcast, where legal marketing, business development, and client service professionals discuss hot topics in the industry, the business of law, and more. My name is Heidi Horn, and I'm your host today. I'm a senior business development manager at Boris Sater, Seymour's and Peace. My guest today is Lauren Resnick. Lauren is Baker Hostetler's chief practice partner and a member of the firm's policy committee. She focuses her practice on white-collar crime and corporate investigations, with a broad practice representing companies and executives in connection with government investigations, regulatory inquiries, and internal compliance matters. She previously served as a federal prosecutor with the Department of Justice and a chief of the Computer Crimes slash Intellectual Property Section in the Eastern District of New York. A tactical advocate, Lauren leverages her decades of government, corporate compliance, and monitorship experience to provide strategic advice to clients. She also litigates a variety of commercial litigation matters as a first-chair trial lawyer. Lauren also serves as co-lead of the firm's cross-disciplinary compliance practice team. In today's conversation, we will be discussing what firm management wished you knew, covering a broad range of topics related to the business of law. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. My first question for you would be, um, can you tell us a little bit more about your role as chief practice partner? Sure, Heidi, happy to be here. Um, Chief practice partner was a role that was created by our current chairman. And the vision was to combine um, the operations we have offering our legal services to the marketplace, to our clients, and intersecting that with oversight around our talent development. So my role includes working with our practice group leaders to um, work on the service legal service offerings and how we can best position and market and business development our services to our clients and meet their needs, as well as talent development from recruiting. I oversee that function as well as associate professional development. And you know our view is that all those pieces fit together for successful and quality client service. Um, and I oversee those various pieces of the puzzle. That's really interesting, Lauren. Thank you for sharing that. Um, in terms of the business law, well, let's start by asking about the current state of the legal market and what you were seeing in terms of work. Um, for a while there, we were seeing a downturn in transactional work. Um, is that still the case, or do you think that's coming back? Well, we're starting to see a real uptick in demand across all of our practice areas, but I would say the deal flow remains at a slightly lower level than the explosives levels we were at in 2022, but it's starting to pick up again. We're seeing the redeployment of private equity in infl- as inflation and, and interest rates have stabilized and companies are looking for strategic opportunities. And because we focus on the middle market in terms of our transactional work, we saw less of a dip than some of our competitive firms in our deal work. Um, last year, and we saw the typical pickup in the fourth quarter at the end of last year, and we're expecting that to continue into this year. So while we're not back to where we were in terms of M&A from 2022, all the trends on our transactional work appear to be positive. Um, We're doing a lot of advisory work with the Corporate Transparency Act coming into play this year. So we're engaging with our clients from a compliance and disclosure requirement standpoint, a lot of advice and counsel in the transactional space. So it's active. Okay. What other types of work are you seeing increasing right now? 
So the regulatory work continues to be at a fever pitch as the new federal and state requirements increase compliance demands across business. So for example, cybersecurity, ad tech, and data privacy laws continue to metastasize, which I think is the best way to describe it. Companies are exploring and analyzing how generative artificial intelligence, AI, can be used responsibly to enhance their businesses. So we're doing a lot of work in those areas, very active. Um, from the standpoint of the workplace and labor and employment, we're seeing a lot of the focus on workplace issues around COVID and remote work and the gig economy have now migrated toward legal reviews of DEI programs stemming from the recent Supreme Court decisions, um, as well as policies around social media for companies as highlighted by the Israel-Hamas war. So our employment counsel and advice continues to be active. There's always something new on the pike there. And litigation since the pandemic has really come back with a boom. You know, to the extent there was somewhat of a backlog um, during the pandemic, that's brought a larger number of cases to trial. So we're seeing a lot of activity on that front as well. Hi, great. Um, all of these things that you've talked about, um, it seems to me there's a business development component in each. But um, so I guess I would ask you, what is the number one most important thing that BD can do to support you and your firm? So I work closely with our, our BD department, and really the number one thing I would say is learning the industries and practice trends alongside and even sometimes ahead of the lawyers um, is the most important thing so that the BD team members can proactively identify and suggest targeted thought leadership opportunities to cross-sell our legal services to our existing clients and hopefully some new clients. You know, it's always easier to expand your existing relationships than to develop new ones. And deeper cross-practice relationships provide the stickiness to retain your clients and get to do more sophisticated and more profitable work for them. So having our BD team be our partners in reading the trends, seeing what's out there and sort of getting ahead and making sure we've got thought leadership on the front end, that's what our clients are looking for. They want us to not only solve their immediate problems, but to tell them what's coming. And I think the BD members in the department can be a great partner to the lawyers in that regard. Um, that kind of leads directly in my next question. You, you've kind of already answered this, but um, what percentage of the business development department's work should be proactive versus react? So I'd love to say that a majority of BD department's work should be proactive because the biggest request I hear from lawyers across our firm is the desire to have their BD colleagues suggest new approaches to capitalize on more work from our clients. So that's what everybody wants. But realistically, as, like I said, because I work very closely with our BD department, there's a lot of BD work that goes into executing, you know, gathering the relevant matter experience that the lawyers have, preparing targeted and appealing pitches and content. There's a lot of nuts and bolts to that work. So I would say ideally 25 to 30% should be proactive. And by that, I mean generating client intelligence reports, identifying trends and opportunities to cross sell work to clients, um, suggesting vehicles to communicate our capabilities such as you know client webinars, lunch and learns in person, podcasts like we're doing today. And if the proactive efforts are successful, I would think, um, you know, the other 70 to 75% of the time will be spent on helping to execute and put the actual BD events together. Yep. I mean, you definitely need those feet on the ground. So, yep. well, let's say money were no object. 
um, how would you staff the BD department? And what a nice world would that be <laughs> if you didn't have to consider the costs. So in my ideal world, we would have a BD manager assigned to every sub-practice team, every industry team, and every lateral partner. And I don't mean there wouldn't be any overlap there. Um, so, you know, a ratio of one to 10, let's say, so that our BD team would have the opportunity to really get to know partners at the firm and their clients and their practices and have the time and energy to do more proactive work than reactive work, you know, really focus on specific industries and specific clients and develop opportunity plans for those clients. Um, so that would certainly change my answer to the last question. Yeah. Those kinds of ratios. Yeah. That's a <laughs> I mean, I think that would help to, for all BD to understand the nuances of each person's practice too. Yeah. So. And I mean, for example, we do assign a BD manager on top of their other responsibilities to lateral partners who join us because yeah. our view is, you know, we want to have those focused efforts, but we have, you know, there's a lot of multitasking that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. What advancements within marketing and BD departments have proven the most valuable to you? So there um, are many. So let me pick a couple. Um, I would say the research capabilities that we now have to gather data and intelligence about industry sectors or specific clients, including the legal services that they require down to the details. So, for example, um, the type of litigation the company does and by category of legal spend, you know, the competitor law firms that they compete against in the different practice areas um, that the, the clients already use. I, I think that that kind of intelligence allows us to be really actionable and targeted as to where we think there are opportunities for us to provide additional value to clients. Secondly, I would say that leveraging the technology to do podcasts, blogs, and sort of the slick, graphically pleasing content that we can now put out through social media to capture a wider audience has been a great development. You know, the use of Zoom for client webinars have made it easier to demonstrate our legal experience to clients and contacts in a broader and more efficient way and to get ourselves in front of clients. So those are the two areas, I would say research um, and intelligence on one and then the use of technology on the other. Legal professionals, listen up. Want to unlock incredible hotel discounts for your firm? Look no further than IHG Business Edge. Enjoy discounts across 5,800 plus hotels and with 19 brands. From intercontinental hotels and resorts to Kimpton Hotels and Restaurants, you're sure to elevate your firm's travel experience. Plus, registered travelers receive an upgrade to IHG One Rewards Silver Elite status after their first IHG Business Edge stay. Visit businessedge.ihg.com today. Terms apply. What advice would you give to um, professionals interested in pursuing a legal marketing or business development career? So like BD itself, I think being an effective BD professional within a law firm is about relationship building. So building close working relationships with the attorneys will help you learn the substance of their practice areas, understand their clients, and add value in all the ways that you and I have been discussing. You know, collaboration across the department, the BD department, is incredibly important so that you can suggest and offer tools and resources. And, you know, lawyers don't learn BD in law school and are counting on you as BD professionals to teach them how to maximize the impact of their knowledge and experience. So that's why I think those sort of relationship building is such a key component to being effective. Now, I 100% agree with that. You know, we were just talking a few 
minutes ago about advancements within the BD department. And you mentioned blogs and webinars and things like that. Um, but social and social media has really become an important element within the industry right now. Yet a lot of partners have still not embraced the technology. Um, do you have any advice on how we can encourage them to do so? So Heidi, old dogs, especially successful old dogs, are generally resistant to learning new tricks. <laughs> so, yes. you know, lawyers also, the studies show this, are tend to be more risk adverse than other people by, by personality type. So if you combine those two things, I understand why you're asking the question, because there are challenges. Um, but all of our clients are on LinkedIn. They're all looking at it, and they're all on social media. So um, in addition to just offering LinkedIn and social media training for associates on up, um, which I think is important, the, the basics and how to use it and how to repost and how to be engaged. Um, I think you know the training is a helpful way of doing it, but I think the best way to get lawyers to engage on social media is to actually script specific opportunities for them. So for example, provide suggested language to post about a firm event or webinar sort of lead the horse to the water, as they say, and share examples of client opportunities that were generated from social media marketing. So success stories are the greatest way to motivate type A lawyers. Um, so between the training and the scripting and the success stories, I think you'll, you know, there'll be more buy-in. Given your role, I envision that you're uh, heavily involved in developing growth strategies for the firm. What role does BDM marketing play in supporting those growth strategies? So, I mean, a lot of this ties together what we've been talking about. BD and marketing can provide the foundation, in my view, for business strategy by helping to identify market trends and providing the tools like podcasts and social media to profile the lawyers and their expertise. So where client demand is identified, where there's a need in the industry, the firm will invest in growth. I mean, we look at growth to say, what types of lawyers do we need? What kinds of issues are our clients struggling with? Where do we see the, the growth areas to be? And we want to make sure we have the talent to support and meet those client needs. So in my view, you know, an active, a proactive BD department um, with client intelligence working closely with their lawyers are core to helping us identify where those opportunities and feed directly into the firm's growth. You know, the lawyers are often so busy responding to client demands that the BD team are really the ones who provide the accountability and keep the ship moving forward. And that feeds directly into strategy. Yep. Yep. One specific uh, tool I wanted to ask you about is uh, client reviews. For firms are, that are buying into this, client reviews are becoming increasingly important as not just a growth, but a retention tool. How has your firm implemented them as part of the BD process? So we use an external consultant to conduct client service interviews of many of our important clients. And in my view, it's been an invaluable tool to identify opportunities for expanded work. So not only do the clients feel good being asked about their feedback, and it gives us an opportunity to address any areas for improvement they might identify, but we've obtained significant new work by discovering areas for cross-selling our services based on needs we didn't either didn't know the client had as well as we know the clients or for which they had used a different firm um, 
but we offer those services well and would have the opportunity to share what we could do with them. We've even had opportunities through these client service interviews where clients were less familiar with our capabilities in a particular geographic or practice area. And once we connected those dots, the work came flowing in. AI is uh, obviously top of everyone's mind right now. Um, and But we keep getting warned by the powers that be that we need to be careful in terms of its implementation, specifically used by the attorneys, but also in, to a lesser extent in the business development department. Um, what steps has your law firm taken to protect itself from the dangers while embracing the potential? So our firm has a legal technology team that we call Incubaker that has entered into partnerships with some of the leading generative AI platforms to enable us to do exactly what you're talking about, to utilize the technologies and secure demonstrative platforms and test how the tools can be used to support our legal work without having the concern that our client information is somehow in the public domain. So our team uses this sort of safe and secure um, technology, AI technology, to develop use cases that we can then offer to clients. Um, we also advise clients on the risks attendant to different AI platforms around security and around capability. And we recommend the potential use cases to mitigate those risks and concerns around confidentiality and accuracy, avoiding what they call hallucination that some of these AI platforms do. And we've seen in some highly public cases where lawyers have gotten on the wrong end of the stick in front of judges. So, you know, back in the day, we were the first law firm to experiment with IBM's Ross computer more than, I think, a decade ago. And we've been using AI for electronic discovery, contract analytics, and other purposes for our clients for years. So in many ways, we've been ahead of the curve on these technologies. And we have this embedded technology consulting practice to help our clients use generative AI in smart and secure ways in their businesses, as well as to test the various uses in, in ways that we as a law firm can be more efficient in, in servicing and pro providing value. So that's how we've been addressing it. We really have a, a dedicated team and mm -hmm. we have a team of lawyers who are, who've been deep in the space for a while and are now, you know, testing the new products out there and making sure we're being careful but taking opportunities, because as you said, I mean, there's incredible potential there to yeah. increase the efficiency of what we do. And it's a, a really exciting to, uh, it must be really exciting to be able to be kind of ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. So. It, it is, you know, it's, it's like every other development in the legal market. Everybody says they do it. And then the question is how <laughs> comfortable and how deep is that capability? Right. And, um, you know, we've we've got folks who have been very interested in this space for a while um, in terms of thought leadership. And now, I mean, the appetite is large, but people need to tread carefully, yeah. especially in, in our profession. Well, Lauren, I, I really appreciate um, you talking to us today. I know it was kind of a broad range of topics that we had on, but I think your advice um, will be very well taken by the business development and marketing people out there. So I really appreciate it. Um, I just wanted to, at the very end, um, say that for those who are listening, if you are not already, be sure to subscribe to the LMA podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and rate and review our episodes. Lauren, thank you again. Really appreciate your time. Thank you to the audience. Until it's next nice. time. So nice to be with you. Bye-bye.
That concludes another installment of the LMA podcast. To discover all that LMA has to offer, visit legalmarketing.org. For links to content featured in this episode, please check out the show notes. If you like the podcast and want to help others find us, we hope you'll take the time to subscribe to it and rate us on iTunes. Thank you and have a great day.